Hello, Happy New Year. You're welcome to 2023. Well, today is 3rd January 2023. And we give God the glory for His mercies, His love, His grace, His providence. We cannot thank God enough for giving us the honor and the privilege to be partakers in this day, in this year. We give God the glory for the past years, for all he has done, all that he didn't allow to happen, uh, the prayers he answered positively, the prayers that he um, sort of didn't give us what we wanted because he knew that what we wanted was not good enough for us, for all the times he saved us, the seen and unseen battles that he fought and won for us, the victories he claimed for us. We give God the glory for everything. And this is the year where... Um, he needs us to manifest the light that he has put in us. This is the year that he is going to also show himself forth as our God. You know how um, uh, back in the day <laughs> as kids and even now, like um, you see, I, I believe this happens in all nations. When people are coming out for uh, political elections, so they are coming to vie for one political position or the other, and then they have the backing of... Um, someone who is very influential who has a large following you see how they are almost puffed up like yeah i know that this person is going to bring his base to come and support me so they almost feel like this particular area i'm done i'm dusted here i'm good here because i have the strong uh, people here the influential people in this area they actually are for me so they are going to rally all the people within, within their, their sphere of influence to uh to vote for me so you see that's a lot in the political circles right and even when we are in business you know if you know that you have this big customer that they always uh, make a purchase or they always demand your service on a regular basis you you can almost uh, be certain like you're going to earn x amount of money from this customer because this is a given it's like a customer tradition that on a yearly basis they do not go be below this um, amount of money so even even when you're planning when you're budgeting you almost feel like you are you are certain that you are going to make sales you know uh, within this particular range and if you are in the kind of uh, business that i am in where you are tr trading in a global commodity that is an essential commodity and uh, for which the price is often determined on a regular basis and is often benchmark uh, is often benchmarked you you feel like okay you know that this commodity is not going to sell below this price so you can put a cap and by from from the cap price you can uh, quantify how much you're going to produce multiply it by the price and you can now come up with your estimated income estimated budget uh, uh, and and the cost you're going to incur you know to produce so there are some constants that when people have in their lives they feel uh, often confident they know that come rain come shine this particular one is going to work now god is that constant god is that assurance for us he's our father and there was a time i was listening to this um messenger of god i cannot remember his name and i, I think i've said this in past episodes and i will not stop saying it please do not do yourself this the dishonor of um 
shielding yourself from the word of God as is pure and as comes from various sources. One thing that I would always implore you to uh, pray to God and ask for is the spirit of discernment. Because if you don't have the ability to discern, you may uh, not be able to get the message or you won't even know when the wrong message is being taught to you. But if you, uh, if God helps you to have that spirit of discernment, you'll be able to know what message is of God and you'll be able to distill the contents of that message as God wants you to know and apply to your life and situation per time so uh, I was listening to this particular minister of the gospel and he said something he said that when Jesus taught us to pray Jesus said we should start our prayer by saying our father our father who art in heaven now so many of us just uh, say the Lord's prayer and we say, oh, our father, oh, I had lost my voice before now, but I think he's coming back as I keep speaking. <laughs> Praise God. So, so many of us um, just say our father who is in, in heaven, you know, we just rush that prayer. It's a prayer that we learned right from our elementary school or even younger. But the weight of that prayer and the weight of that word, our father, and that minister of the gospel said, that I, I'm just struggling to remember his name. I wish I could. So I can also celebrate the people whom God uses to feed me from time to time. And, and the, he said that each time you call God your father, you implicate him. Hey, that each time you call God your father, you implicate him. As in, you, you implicate him to manifest the character of fatherhood towards you. When I heard that word, I, I was, as in, it was like I had the chills run down my spine and I kept on thinking about it. And I was like, wow, this is powerful. Now, fast forward about a year after there was somebody in my circles who um, I was sort of caring for as much as God helped me. I was caring for her and she started calling me mommy. <laughs> She started calling me mommy and I just noticed that I was not comfortable with it because each time she wanted to ask for something, she would say, mommy this, mommy that. And it just sort of stirred that sense of responsibility. She's not my child, uh, you know, like I, I don't have a child yet. Uh, and this is somebody somewhere in her 20s, I believe. Uh, but each time she called me mommy, it sort of stirred a sense of responsibility within me that I felt like I had to do something about what she was asking for. And I had to tell her to stop. <laughs> I, I told her to stop calling me mommy, like, I'm not your mommy, I'm not your mother. And she said, oh, boy, you're like a mommy to me. I said, no, I'm not like a mommy to you. I, you are like a sister to me, you know. And um God is using me to help you because God has also used people to help me. So please don't call me mommy. And moreover, calling me mommy is like a disservice to your own mother who bettered you and all that. And that was how I got her to stop. But the truth is, each time she called me that, it stirred up a sense of responsibility and obligation in me that made me feel compelled to do something about what she wanted or what she was asking for, even um, uh try somehow to be responsible uh, for her. It, it, gave, it made me feel like I was responsible for her. That's the summary of it. So, um, I, and I, recently I was thinking if 
I could feel like that as a human being, sinful as I am, just dust. How much more God, the Holy One, the Creator Himself. Each time we call Him our Father, we implicate Him, as in we force the fatherly nature of Him to come up. And bear in mind that His fatherly nature can be to discipline you as well when you mess up. <laughs> You know, I remember when I was growing up as a child, um, my my parents often would not allow us to play outside the uh, the premises, outside the compound. Uh, for those that lived in Lagos in the uh, 80s and early 90s, those older houses, uh, you could see like different blocks and then they will all be fenced and then they will have a big gate, you know, encompassing the entire premises. So he allowed us to uh, play within the, the, the house, of course, within the compound, but never to come outside of the gates. Because once you come out of the gate, you are um, going past the car park and walking into the road. So uh, I, I remember that sometimes because we were so many children, like there were many blocks of flats at the time. So even children from other uh, uh, compounds will, or premises, as uh, we call it today, but we used to call them compounds back in the day, as uh, many of them will come to our own compound to play. And sometimes we just feel like the compound is not big enough for us to run around. So we will run out of the compound because our parents are not around and the car park would not even be sufficient sometimes we run on the streets and all that but in all of that your eye had better be wide open looking out for your parents because if your parents saw you out there your own was almost like finished like they would deal with you and i remember this particular day um we were running and there was this um barricade that was used to separate the gutters and um, my 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 left foot, I think, my left my left leg, my left leg slipped into that barricade. So I was stuck between these two um, uh, separators, and the children were trying to get me out. And as they were trying to get me out, as my leg was bleeding, uh, all of a sudden, they all ran away from me. <laughs> they all ran away from me, and I was wondering where are they going. And I looked. And saw my father coming from the end of the streets. Then he didn't have a car. So he was coming from the This happened when I was like maybe five or six years old. But I still remember it clearly. My father was coming and everybody ran away from me. Because they knew that uh, Nena's daddy was going to discipline her. And they didn't probably, I think they didn't want him to also mention to their parents that, oh, such and such person was also there. They, they disobeyed our instructions and came out of the gate. So my father came, uh, they got a, a couple of uh, gentlemen to come and help because the children were sort of shielding me and it was uh, not visible to the adults around that something had happened. So it was when they left that all the other adults walking by, uh, other passers-by noticed that, oh, this child was stuck there. And then my father quickly rushed and they came and removed those two barricades and brought me out. Ah, so in Africa, um, parents will typically discipline their children with the whip. When it says, spare the road, I spoil the child. 
African children, they don't, I mean, African parents, they don't, especially Nigerian parents, let me not speak to the rule of Africa. Nigerian parents will not spare the, spare the rodeo. They would, as in, they would, they would, they will not, they will not, they will not uh, spoil the child. They will use the rod and correct the child. But they didn't, I, I remember they didn't beat me that day. Uh, they first of all treated the wound. It was much later, you know, that my dad sort of punished me for, for going out so and i knew i knew that he did that out of love you know as i was taking the, the the punishment i remember thinking to myself even back then as young as i was that how 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 could i have been so stupid to even run out of the gate this is what my parents were trying to prevent from happening to me and i i put myself in that situation where i got injured and that made the punishment all the more painful for me so all of this i've just told you to uh reveal to us uh, or rather to remind us, because I'm sure each of us almost already knows, the loving character of God. I mean, the word of God says that him whom the Lord loves, he chastises. So as God loves you, he will also discipline you. And you know, he will always discipline you with love. If you think that God will not discipline you with love, go and ask David. After David had messed up, and God asked him to choose how he wanted to be punished, whether he wanted to be punished by men or he wanted God to punish me. He said, God, please, I know that you are a merciful God, so I will prefer to fall into your hands because I know that you will uh, at some point have mercy on me and pity me and, and, and forgive me. So um, I, I urge us in this coming year to um, uh, make as much as we can, uh, call forth the fatherly nature of God and also project ourselves as his children. Now, how do we project ourselves as his children? I was listening to another minister um, known as, as um, Apostle Joshua Selman, uh, Pastor Joshua Selman. I listened to this old message that he had taught, and I, I actually heard it for the first time a few days ago, where he taught about Enoch. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're a Bible scholar, I'm sure you must have read about Enoch. You must have known about Enoch. He was um, the man who did not taste death. Death, right? So, in the scriptures, in the entire scriptures, as far as humanity is concerned, as much as we know, only two people escaped death. One was um, Enoch. The second person was Elijah, because Elijah was caught up, you know, in in the um, in the the chariots from heaven came and took him away. So in Enoch's case, and we are introduced to Enoch in the book of um, we are introduced to Enoch in the book of Genesis chapter five, Genesis chapter five verse eighteen. We are introduced to Enoch as the descendants of Seth, right? And Seth was the third son. Of Adam so Enoch was one of the descendants of Seth now Enoch um, had his child when he was 65 years old so he was a normal human being you know, like it's not like hey this was a spirit that just came like he was a, a, a man flesh and blood living in the midst of men he was subject to pain subject to happiness subject to sadness and everything that human beings can uh, possibly experience and when he was 65 years old he had a son and he named that son Methuselah now you know that his son Methuselah lived very long for over 900 years and he's recorded as being the longest uh, living person in the scriptures so Enoch after he had his son he walked with God for 300 years 
Now, possibly, and most likely, he must have walked with God before he had his son. But what the scripture records is that after he had his son, Metisela, at 65, he, he continued to walk, as in he walked with God for 300 additional years. Now, if we think that we have been walking with God for too long, we might want to think again. Go and ask Enoch what it means to consistently walk with God 300 years. And people are pressing your buttons. They are pushing you, like trying to make you to be, be, be terrible and do all the bad things that the human nature is capable of doing. But he consistently, he continued to walk with God for 300 years. And he had other children. So it's not like he had only one child. So that means Enoch had a wife. He had children. He must have had a profession or a job or a business, a means of livelihood. He was a regular person in the everyday world. But he walked with God. As in he walked with God to the extent that the scriptures recognized that this man walked with God. And God said, ah, this one, this one should not see death. And God took him when he was 365 years old. So he did not see death. And we can see that account in the book of Genesis chapter 5 from verses 18 to 24. Now to show you how how um, powerful Enoch's relationship was with God. And it's, it's interesting, you know, the scriptures reveal to us those things that are important for us to know now. And he, uh, God, God, God has revealed what we need to know now and the hidden things you know, belong to God, as the scripture says. One of the things we see is that um, Enoch was also a prophet. He, he had even prophesied the second coming of Christ as far back as Genesis chapter 5. And how do we know that if we read the book of Jude chapter 1 verse 14, we see that Enoch had prophesied that um, Christ was going to come um, again, and let me let me just read it. And I'm reading from New Living Translation, Jude chapter 14. I think I need to wear my glasses here. Jude chapter 14. Uh, sorry, Jude chapter one. <laughs> Jude has only one one chapter, right? Jude chapter one, verse 14. It says, "Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam." prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgments on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So that's um, um, Jude chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. So Enoch had that kind of strong relationship with God. And as I was listening to this message, I said, wow, this must have been powerful. Lord, please help me. I want to have this kind of relationship with you where um, you'll be so happy with me that um, even in heaven, it will be known that, oh, Nena is, Nena, 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 Nena is walking with God. Nena is working with God. And it seems like such a huge responsibility. But as we study, we will see that it may not be as uh, difficult as we think. So in Hebrew chapter 11, verse 15, we see that um, uh, the scriptures record that Enoch was translated by faith that he should not see death. Because before his translation, he had a testimony that he pleased God. You can imagine. It was because of the faith 
that Enoch had. He had this faith in God. He believed that God is, and he believed in um, in, in seeking God and doing what, what God willed. And because of that, his life was pleasing. His life was a testimony that pleased God. As in the way he lived his life, God God ticked it good and said, this one, I, I really, I really, 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 really like this one. In fact, this one must not taste death. Remember that when Adam and Eve had sinned, uh, one of the things that God had told them was that, oh, they had brought death into their lives and all that. But God looked at this one and this was the descendant of the third son of Adam and Eve. You know, the first son uh, was Cain. The second son was Abel. Cain killed Abel. And after many years, um, Adam and Eve had a third son known as Seth. It was from Seth that um, Enoch arose, one of the descendants of Seth. And God looked at Enoch and said, this one will not taste death. All the others from Adam down to um, uh, the rest of us here, we have all tasted you know, we, we are all going to um, taste death except for those who will be alive when Jesus comes the second time. But but uh, for Enoch, God said, because of his faith and because his life is a testimony that pleases me, I want this one to come over here even without seeing death. Just like Elijah, that God came. In fact, he sent angels from heaven to come and take him away. So, um... So for us to for us to have this kind of life that Enoch had, we need to we need to have faith. We need to have the faith that pleases God. And in Hebrews chapter eleven verse six, uh, the scripture says that it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God exists and that He is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek Him. Without faith, we cannot please God. Without faith, we cannot please God. And how, do, how, how can I define faith simply beyond how it is popularly known? It's just knowing that something is, uh, knowing and believing that something is against all odds, even when it doesn't seem like, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it can be mind-blowing. Like, um, you know that um, in your regular reasonable mind, this may not this this may not be possible but you know that because god is involved it can happen because god is involved it can happen you know um the, the substance of things hope for the evidence of things that are that are not um uh that you haven't seen yet so god has said here uh, in paul's letters to the hebrews in chapter 11 that you cannot please god if you don't have faith i mean who can say that they have seen God in person, except for the image of God you see in your fellow human beings? And that's why when Jesus was speaking while he was here, he said, if you cannot love your neighbor, how can you say you love God that you've not seen? Love this one that you are seeing first. Love this human being that you are seeing first. And love yourself because the spirit of God is in you. You are fashioned after the image of God. So if you don't love yourself, how can you say you love God? I mean, uh, there's that African proverb, beware of the naked man that is offering you a shirt. Like, you are naked, you don't want to wear the clothes and you're giving it to me. For what? Like, are you okay? You know, so it's often difficult for me to even trust people that don't love themselves. It's difficult when you see people that, you see somebody who is obviously sick, senile, 
and struggling to just stay alive and that person is saying i want to work give me the work i can do it and you know that man baba if we give you this thing you may not be able to survive it but the person is like uh, in fact i i even if i die doing it i come on I, are you going to it's just like um um handing your you you see you see um uh, a driver even if that person is the best driver the best chauffeur you have ever known and that that person is really very sick like coughing um sweating feverish and the person is like ah madam oga don't worry give me the key i'll drive you to where you're going <laughs> you have to be uh high on something i can't describe for you to give that person the key to drive you to wherever because your first inclination will be no please go and take care of yourself go and um treat yourself go and get better don't worry i'll find my way around to where i'm going because you know that that person could possibly die behind the steering so um it's important for us to have faith in god for us to please him and anyone that wants to come to god has to first of all believe that god exists and that he rewards those that earnestly and diligently seek him. Like you have to, we have to, let me not say you because I'm also included in all of this I'm saying. We have to be diligent. Like, you know what it means to be diligent? Oh God, I feel like pulling out my dictionary now to, to look it up. Like you have to um, earnestly, sincerely be determined in seeking for God. You have to be determined in seeking God out in finding out what pleases the Lord in studying the gospel in speaking to him genuinely you know um I don't know how people pray but some people would just be like oh no they shouldn't tell God this uh God should not hear this they should hear this one but he sees everything he knows everything he he knows your thoughts even before you think about them so what are you hiding you know, if you have done something that is displeasing, it's better you come out there and say, Lord, I have really, really done this terrible thing. And I don't know how I can help myself, but I pray you to please have mercy and help me and help me to come out of it. And if you find it difficult to do good or to show love to people, talk to God about it. Yes, <laughs> talk to God about it. If you know that it's difficult for you to uh, express love to, towards others or even to love yourself. I mean, some people are so miserly to themselves. They have all the good stuff and they'll keep wearing the worn out things. They don't want to. Uh, I, I listened to one message from Pastor David Obwele some years ago, maybe three years ago now. And he said, some people keep uh, donating, donating, doing, doing, doing. They say they are doing things for God. They are, um, anything they are doing in church, anything that any program in church, you see them there. They're looking for workers. You see them there, but they, they are not taking care of themselves. They look scruffy. They look tattered. Um, they're not sleeping well. They're not eating well. They're, it's not because they don't have, but because they feel like righteousness means that you should look haggard and, um, you know, just pour everything into the post. And he said, no, that you cannot say that you are serving God when you're not taking care of the temple. I mean, what did Apostle Paul tell us? Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I have to take care of myself, have your bath, eat well, drink water, sleep well, you know, and that's why, um, 
and i don't have anything against people who do this but I, honestly i do not understand why people will smoke as in smoke to the extent that all their organs are almost failing and they keep doing it uh drink themselves to stupor to the extent that they are almost going insane like intoxicated to the extent that they commit crime and they keep doing it again and again it means that they don't really love themselves honestly yeah because if you love yourself, you want to protect yourself. You know that this thing is eating you up. It has caused cancer. It has caused lung cancer. It has caused all sorts of diseases that are draining your income. You know, uh, th these diseases are draining your income. They are causing your loved ones pain. They are snuffing life out of you and almost preventing you from doing the main assignment that God sent you here to do. Yet you see that some, some people, even in that state of illness, they keep taking those substances that are dangerous to themselves it means that they don't love themselves and in such instances only god that can help and what i encourage people like that to do is to ask god for help father please help me please help me to love myself please help me to love others please help me to love you like i still in fact uh, i say that prayer myself every day please god help me to love you more Help me to love myself better. Help me to love others as well. Because sometimes it's not very easy, especially when people have offended you. It's not very easy. On your own as a human being, you may not be able to do it. So it's to be diligent in studying the word of God, in seeking for what pleases him, and earnestly asking for his grace to be able to do those things that please him. So, um, in 2023, one of the things that God requires us to do is to shine as the light of the world. As we see in the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, we are to shine as the light of the world. And there, our Lord Jesus Christ was speaking. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a mountain, growing, glowing in the night for all to see. We are like a city that is set on a mountain and we are glowing for everybody to see. It's just like a lighthouse. When uh, it's, it's somewhere, any ship coming will see, oh, this, 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 this is the lighthouse. The lighthouse will not have its light off, otherwise it could cause accidents for sailors at sea. So we are the light of the world. And he says, do not hide your light under a basket. In fact, there's an exclamation mark there. So when they were writing the scriptures, the people that penned the scriptures down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they put an, ex an exclamation mark there. Matthew chapter, um, uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 15 precisely. It says, do not hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all to see. Some of us are very satisfied with saying, oh, I love God. I'm a Christian. I know it in my heart. I don't need any other person to know it. Excuse me? <laughs> you don't need any other person to know it. Like, you don't need anybody to know that you love God. So, what do you mean exactly? I don't, in fact, I'm even struggling to understand it as I'm saying it. Some say, oh, yeah, uh, church is in the heart. Jesus is in the heart. I, I love God in my heart. God knows that I love him. I don't care what any other person thinks. You are actually the Bible that people are reading. We are the Bible that people are reading. Some people may never have the opportunity to pick up the scriptures to read. Or even if they read it, they may not understand it. But you, the way you are living, the way I'm living, tells them 
who we are serving. Tells, tells them a lot about who we are serving. Tells them a lot about the God we are worshipping. Tells them a lot about Christ on who we are wearing as a badge. And it often breaks my heart when some people will say, Ah, no, if this is the way uh, Christians are, me, I don't even want to be a Christian at all. If these are the kind of people that we see in heaven, I don't want to go there. In fact, it's better for me to go to the other side where people like this are not there. Heartbreaking statements. Why? Because of the way some of us have lived our lives. In fact, I remember when I was in secondary school, uh, typically known as high school in some quarters, um... I think God has always seen that he um, needed me for service. And it's still a, it's still, it's still a, a work in, process, in, um, in, um, in progress for me, the BIP. Excuse me. It's still a work in progress for me. But at the time, I remember I was called into ministry in the Students' Christian uh, Movement, which was a fellowship for... Um, non-Catholics and non-Anglicans because the Catholics and the Anglicans, they had their own church and um, uh, fellowship in school. And I think at some point, the deeper life has started. So every other person who was not a Catholic or Anglican, we all worshiped together under the Students' Christian Movement, known as um, SCM at the time. So I was called up to be a minister. And it wasn't very easy for me because... There were a couple of practices that were not really uh, consistent with what I was used to in my own home uh, denomination, my own home church where I was worshipping, which was not, uh, it was neither Catholic nor Anglican and not Pentecostal. So there were a couple of things that I was still observing. So my faith wasn't exactly as strong, but I think they saw that, oh, this person was godly, like I was quiet, I was kind, I was polite, you know, of course they didn't see my heart to know <laughs> where I was, but from the outward look, they, they felt like I was righteous enough for me to get that calling to be a minister, and I think I was in the prayer ministry. So uh, at a particular point in SS1, there was this lady who was also a member of the min of the ministry, but she was she was unusually wicked in my own opinion she was really very very wicked uh, and mean like i looked at her and i felt like i didn't want to associate with this type of person judgmental me at the time as young as i was i just felt like no if this person is a member of this ministry and she was a minister like whenever we came together you see her praying you know singing so righteous but outside that place she wasn't the kindest person i knew she wasn't uh, the most friendly person in fact she almost had what i i classified as pride at the time now i was being judgmental because of course i didn't understand what her background was and what she was dealing with or the things that formed her character to be like that but what happened to me at that time was that I pulled back. I suddenly stopped attending the fellowship. I stopped participating in the activities and I couldn't really tell anybody why I stopped. But I just felt like I didn't want to be identified with this person. If this person was going to act here like this and everybody saw how she behaved outside and um, did not think it necessary to call her to her that maybe this is not the right group for me. And I think at the time I was there joining one of my friends to the Catholic um, to the Catholic fellowships. <clears throat> so what am I saying? 
sometimes our own actions or uh, unconscious actions can pull people away from the body of Christ. And God forbid that we should be responsible for people staying away from Christ. So this year, we are going to be the light of the world. And how can we be the light of the world? We need to ask God to help us. You know, um, uh, I think it was Apostle Paul that says, sometimes I want to do good and I see myself not want The things I want to do, I see that I don't want to do it. And the things I don't want to do, I see myself doing it. So we need to ask God to help us. And for that reason, we are going to read um, the book of Mark chapter 9, verses 15 to 29. And reading the New Living Translation. And at some point, I'm going to toggle between the NLT and the King James Version. But from the NLT, uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 15 reads, The crowd watched Jesus in awe as he came toward them. And then they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? He asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son for you to heal him. He can't speak because he is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. Verse 18. And whenever this evil spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground and makes him foam at the mouth and grind his teeth and become rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you until you believe? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, he threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was very small. Hmm. The evil spirit makes him fall into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us. Do something if you can. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly replied, I do believe, but help me not to doubt. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Spirit of deafness and muteness, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy lay there, motionless, and he appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd. He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Master, why could we not cast out the evil spirit? Now, I'm reading from King James Version, verse 29. And he, and he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. That's the end of the reading. So in this particular um, passage that we just read, we see that um, there was this man whose son was dumb. And he wasn't just dumb, he was possessed by an evil spirit. And that evil spirit had prevented him from talking. Such that sometimes the evil spirit would throw him into the fire, trying to kill him, like trying to make the boy suicidal, if you like. So he brought Jesus, I mean, he brought, uh, this man brought his son first to the disciples. 
But the, the disciples kept on praying and praying and praying, but the evil spirit did not budge, he didn't move. So there was sort of an uh, argument and Jesus drew closer and he asked what's going on. And then the man spoke up, he said, I have this, my son, you know, um, uh, I brought him uh, and um, there's an evil spirit that has possessed him such that he's not able to talk. And this thing has been going on since he was a child because God, Jesus asked him, how long has this been happening? He said, oh, since he, was, since he was a child, this thing has been going on. He has been convulsing. He greets, you know, he um, reads his teeth. He foams from the mouth. This thing throws him into the, to the ground and everything and even threatens to kill him sometimes. Please do something if you can. So the man knew that Jesus could heal people, but he was not sure whether Christ was powerful enough to heal his son. And sometimes we see ourselves in that kind of situation. We know that, oh, God is a God that solves problems. Oh, he healed the man, uh, the, 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 um, the leper. He healed the blind. Oh, he healed the other one that was slain through Peter. Oh, the woman with the issue of blood. He raised the dead. He did all these things. He raised Lazarus. He did all these things in the scriptures. And even in our own lives, you know, when we look back, we see things that we know, that we know, that we know for sure. That it could only have been God. That did those things but sometimes we find ourselves in some situations and we begin to wonder ah god will you do this one for me will god do this one for me i know that god can do you know like you pray 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 you wait 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 and at some point nothing is happening i mean recently i was listening to testimonies of people who had i think it was today i even heard the testimony of uh, a young man who was saying that um they had 15 graduates in his family. Now, just to break it down, for somebody to be a graduate, that person must have gone to elementary school, gone to high school, gone to college, completed the num requisite number of courses and years in school, and passed all of them to be able to graduate and get a certificate. And there were 15 of such people in his family, and he said not a single one of them was working. All of them were jobless. So it was only his father who had a small business that he was struggling, trying to use to take care of everybody. With time, that small business even packed up and the father died. And he said, wow, he, he had been praying since. Like, he had been praying. I think at the time he was saying this, he had, been, he had graduated for uh, maybe like uh, six years or thereabouts, six to five years post-graduation from the university and he said he had been praying he had been praying at some point people were now telling him oh come let us go to this place uh, there's a solution here and he will go there he found himself going to seek out um, inferior spirits he found himself going to see and some of us will say ah god forbid but our prayer is that god will not allow us to face the kind of temptations we can overcome this young man he said that even as they were taking him to those places he knew that he should not be in those kind of places but because he was so desperate for a solution he was so desperate for a solution he followed people to all sorts of places he was told to do all sorts of sacrifices but you know god is merciful because when god wants to prove himself when god wants when god has claimed you as his own when god wants to show forth he will ensure that the devil does not succeed in any of his plans so all those things he was doing none of them succeeded until he returned back to god and he asked god for mercy and he said god you know that 
this is what the young man was saying. He said he, he had told God, you know that I was brought up in your ways. I was brought up as a Christian and I was brought up to trust you. But right now I'm losing it and I don't know what else to do. Please help me. He said he, he prayed that earnestly and with the help of a prayer group that he belonged to, that God used to help to strengthen his faith, things began to turn around for good. In the same way, this man was saying to Christ, please help me if you can. Like, I know that you can solve all sorts of problems, but I don't know if this my own is something you can handle. And Jesus asked him, what do you mean? What do you mean if I can? As in, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. And the man said, Lord, I believe, but please help me not to doubt. King James records it as saying, and straight away the father of the child cried out and said with tears, like he was crying. He said, Lord, I believe, but please help my unbelief. And the amplified version even makes it more um, more uh, uh, clear. He says, and at once the father of the, of the boy gave an eager, piercing, inarticulate cry with tears, and he said, Lord, I believe. Please help my weakness of faith. That's Matthew chapter 9, verse 24. There are times when we also need to... Uh, this is the year where we, we, we have to cling to God. You know, even when it seems like our faith is failing, we need to cling to him and say, God, Father, my Father, my Father, our Creator in heaven, please I believe you. I know that you are more than able to do everything. In fact, you have done so much. You continue to do many great things. But please help me in the area where my faith is weak. On this particular one, my faith my faith is shaking. Please, I need you to help me. I don't want to fall. Please help me. It's just like Peter cried out to Jesus, you know, when uh, he was at the sea. He saw Jesus walking on water and he asked, Master, is that you? And Jesus said, yes, I am. And Peter said, if you are the one, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. And Peter started walking on water. And all of a sudden, Peter started looking around. And he saw the waves. And he was thinking, eh, now maybe this, now maybe this. Am I the one walking on water? And then he started sinking. And as he was sinking, he cried out. He said, Master, please help me. And Jesus held his hand and brought him out. So in the same way, we should not be shy. Do not be shy to, I mean, uh, when you go to God in prayer, it's not the time for you to be a gentleman or a lady. Oh God, please. Um, uh, I thank you. I need you to do this. No, come earnestly, you know, watch children. Take a moment to watch children. When a child needs something, hey, they don't care if the president of the United States is there. <laughs> like a like a a, a child that, that uh, is still uh, suckling, you will just go to the mother and uh, pull the shirt. Like mama, I am ready to suckle, <laughs> you know. And if it's a child who is a little older, then it, it, they don't care if a party is going on or if the king of England is present. They run to the mother and say, "Mama, uh, I need so so and so thing." In a way, we need to find ourselves. And that's why Jesus, uh, in giving examples, he said, we need to be like little children for us to enter the kingdom of heaven. Like, we, we shouldn't overthink things. 
we shouldn't um don't don't feel like oh you've outgrown this oh god uh i, I shouldn't be I, so even in your faith in this desire to be a light that that's um that's um that shines forth for the world to see is to ask god father please father please i want to be a light that pleases you i want to be i want to i want my life to be a testimony that is pleasing to you I want to be a testimony that is pleasing to you. Please, God, help me because I'm not strong enough, but I know that with your strength, I can. Please help me. Strengthen my faith. Oh, Father, I, I, I think evil thoughts. I think of things that I shouldn't be thinking. Father, please forgive me and help me. I don't want to think these things anymore. Oh, I get annoyed easily. Father, please help me. I don't want to be easily offended. Oh, I find myself jealous of people. Father, please, I don't want to be envious of others. I want to be, I want to be, I want to rejoice when others are rejoicing. I want to rejoice with them genuinely. You know, it's, it's to humble ourselves enough and come to God sincerely. And I think there's a part of scripture that says that when you are speaking to God, do not uh, use vain words. Do not use empty words, words that you don't mean. Just because people are saying it, oh, uh, you're you are saying it, but it, God is not listening to what you're saying. He's listening to the heart. He's listening to our hearts. So this is the year when um, we we have to come closer to God. This is the year when we need to literally, like practically and in every sense of the word, take God as our father and give him the respect that a father deserves. Give him the honor that a father deserves and Show him the love that a child also shows to a father. And trust him the way a child trusts the father. And you see, um, in this scripture that we just read from Mark chapter 9, verses 15 to 29, you see that when Jesus commanded the evil spirit to leave, the evil spirit jerked the boy like he convulsed so badly that he fell to the ground and people thought that the boy was already dead. Sometimes situations could get worse before they get better. You know, the situations could get worse when God has stepped in to quell it. And if you are not careful at the last minute, you could just give up. Never give up. As long as you are sure that your desire and what you're asking for, what you're seeking is in accordance with the will of God, please do not give up. I pray that God gives you the staying power to stay in his presence, you know, to stay um, and that God will raise helpers for you and that God will give you wisdom. So this boy, for example, he fell to the ground and the onlookers, because there will always be people watching. There will always be people watching as you are going through the year and they will keep commenting, commentators, spectators. And they were saying, ah, eh? This Jesus was trying to heal this boy, but the boy is dead. Oh, the boy is dead. And Jesus just looked at him and he picked the boy up by the hand and the boy got up and he led him away. People will always be there trying to say, ah, you say you are so churchous. Oh, you say you love God. Why is your own like this? Hey, uh, have you tried this other solution? Ah, look at this other person. This person is doing this and this is how his or her life is turning out. But your own is not working. Why don't you? All sorts of distractions. But please... I pray that God helps you to keep your eyes focused on God, on Christ. 
that God helps each and every one of us to hold on, to cling on to him. And just like when we read further, I believe um, from verse uh, uh, verse 29, verse 28, precisely. He says, afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house, his disciples asked him, with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can only comfort by nothing but by prayer and fasting. May God strengthen us spiritually this year. We need the word we need to fast. We need to pray. And fasting is not just not eating. You know, fasting is not just uh, abstaining from food. It's committing our spirits to God as in living as, uh, uh, denying ourselves of those physical um, things that will satisfy the flesh so that the, the, the spirit can be filled, so that the spirit, so that the flesh can be subject to the will of the spirit and the spirit will be filled. The, the Spirit can, can eat and be filled and receive from God. So I pray that God gives us the grace to study His Word. I say study because the Word is not just what you hear in church, on podcasts, through tele, uh, tele ministries, etc. But you take time to pray. Okay, let me give you an assignment. Ask God for direction. Tell God to help you to understand at least one scriptural passage within the week. And after praying, pick up your Bible. Read even if it's just one chapter or one verse. And keep asking God to help you to understand it. I assure you that if you are sincere in what you are asking, God will help you to understand that scripture as and you, you that scripture and you may be amazed that you, the understanding he may give you may be something that you have never really heard anywhere else and that's why he says for as many as diligently seek him that he will reward them if he says if you if you seek for me you will find me so um i pray that god gives us the staying power to uh study his word to fast Deny ourselves of those fleshly things that um, are necessary for us to abstain from so that our spirits can be more open and connected to uh, receive from God. And that God will keep us steadfast in prayer as the scripture says that we should pray without ceasing in good times in uh, perilous times, in our trials, in when, when we are in need, when we are rejoicing, when we are in celebratory moods, when we are... Uh, whatever whatever the situation may be, that God keeps us um, steadfast in prayer. And it's such a privilege to pray. Because this is something that many people did not really have the privilege of back in the day. I mean, even when we look at um, our forefathers, so I'm African, um, African traditional worship back in the day, they will go and meet a priest to ask them, ask the priest to help them to ask a deity to do something. <laughs> how tiring that must have been. Only God knows how they survived it. Like they need, if they need, and whatever the priest says, they will try to, to do it. Oh, chief priest said this. Everybody's running helter skelter. 
But now we have access to God, the creator, the creator himself. I mean, even back then in traditional African worship, they knew that there was a one that was greater than all the deities that they were seeking for. It's just like, um, was it in Ephesus, that they dedicated an altar to an, to the unknown God. Like, we know all these uh, small, small gods we are worshipping, Zeus, uh, all sorts of uh, small demigods. But we know that there is another, there is the supreme one that created all things. They always knew back then. Now, you and I have access to that supreme God. The creator of all things, like direct access. There's no middle, there's no middleman. The only person that is the way to access him is Christ Jesus. And it's not even difficult. I mean, Jesus is Jesus said that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Uh, all these other ones, they will tell you, go and look for a tortoise that is pregnant. Where will you find <laughs> how will you find a tortoise that is pregnant? I mean, uh, even um Animal rights protectors will be very offended. Like, why are you going to sacrifice an animal for your own uh, good? Animal rights. But Jesus has paid the ultimate sacrifice. He has he has paid it all. And as I was listening to um, the word which confirmed something I was thinking of some weeks ago, that, yes, Jesus came to die for the world, right? And the devil knew that this one, had come and devil wanted to kill him even when he was a baby you know herod wanted to kill jesus as a child i mean we celebrate christmas so but do we know that christmas was a period of tears as in the birth of christ ushered tears for many families because herod now went about killing babies under two years old because he was he what he was he was determined to kill the, uh, the, the son of God, the righteous one, the king of glory that had been born. So it's also a time of sober reflection. I don't know why, um, uh, well, maybe because of human traditions and all, we now associate Christmas with the time of eating to our satisfaction, partying, enjoying, buying beautiful things and just having, but we also need to look back at the main reason for the season. I mean, Christ, as he was born, he became a refugee. He became a refugee. He became a refugee. Like, he had to seek refuge out of his... Imagine, imagine how they say, born a crime. I think it was Trevor Noah that wrote that book. Born a crime. Like, immediately he was born. They did not even leave the manger to go to... Uh, uh, the scriptures no record that they still went for that sense or so. It says the angels came to... Uh, Joseph and he said take this boy and the mother as Joseph was sleeping the angel came to him he said take this boy and the mother and leave this place go to Egypt with him until the time I come to tell you again to come out of that place and even the Magi the three uh, wise men that came the angel met them and said that road you took to come here remember that Herod that told you that you should come and tell us when you see the king don't follow that in fact take another road back to where you come from so Christ became a refugee. And when I visited Egypt, ah, <laughs> that's a story for another day. That's a story for another day. But we have to end the session now because it's almost clocking one hour. Our prayer to God, my prayer to God for you and for myself is that God helps, our, helps us to live a life that is a testimony that is pleasing to God this year. In the name of Jesus Christ. And that God helps us to walk with him in fasting, in prayer, in studying the word. And God brings and raises helpers for us that will help us 
to be everything that he wants us to be. And I assure you, God will show himself forth as our father in every situation. May God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to speaking with us again sometime soon. Stay blessed. Bye for now.